return now to Labor Press's Blue Collar Buzz with your hosts, Bill Holfeld and Joe Maniscalco. Welcome back to Labor Press's Blue Collar Buzz here on AM 970, The Answer. I'm your host, Joe Maniscalco. I'm senior editor at Labor Press, and uh, joining me in the studio now is none other than Bob Henley from The Chief. Bob, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, so we're going to jump right into the next segment, uh, Bob. We have Jimmy Hart. He is the uh, president of the Sheet Metal Trades Department, and they have a really important issue affecting federal workers where... Uh, the president of this country right now issued a, a trio executive orders that really negatively impacts uh, workers. And uh, Jimmy, you, we're going to talk about that right now. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak on behalf of the federal workers I represent. And just as a matter of information, I am the president of the Metal Trades Department of the AFL-CIO, and we represent 17 international unions, uh, all, all of whom have uh, um, uh, federal employees as their members and bargaining units that they oversee. So, you know, getting down to these executive orders, you know, nothing more than an assault and an affront to, to every dedicated uh, civil service worker in this country. I mean, here we are. We have a president that has decided to circumvent Title V of the uh, of labor law, and at the end of the day, uh, what they want to do is micromanage the workforce with the end result of promoting privatization and rewarding their cronies. So, Jimmy, why don't we, like, dig right into it, go take them one by one and, and uh, talk about what they do and, uh, you know, what kind of effect they're, they're going to have on, on workers. Well, they were basically, on May the 25th, the president issued his executive order, and there were three executive orders that he that he uh, decided to foist upon uh, the American worker all on, uh, just before the Memorial Day weekend, late in the day. And, and the first one was basically the, the, first, the first executive order was to challenge and go after workers' uh, official time, official time being the time used for unions to represent their workers in the workplace, a time-honored tradition in the collective bargaining agreement, and the president has decided that he wants to make a radical change uh, to that proposition and and inhibit workers from being represented in the workplace, giving management an unfair advantage. Uh, the the second part that he tried to do is he he wanted to reintroduce uh, new approaches to federal collective bargaining. You know, he basically wants to implement proposals that the union cannot uh, respond to in a timely manner. Uh, in, in collective bargaining. So basically, if, if, if you need time to research an issue or you need time to, do, to, uh, to rebut an issue, uh, the government will just declare impasse in your negotiations and implement policies that uh, work against uh, the, the interests of the taxpayer and the, and the workforce. And then thirdly, um, you know, it, it, this is an interesting one because what they want to do is they want to basically eliminate due process. They want to remove procedures and implement new, system, uh, new principles in the, in the way work is performed. And at the end of the day, what they want to do is they're looking for an easy way to reduce 
you know, to remove due process, to uh, diminish the process, and fire workers. Uh, you know, they hide behind these beautiful words, you know, that mean so much to people, like accountability, but yet there's no accountability in the process. And one of the things, uh, Bob, I'm here that uh, in speaking with federal workers, we do know that with the Veterans Administration, there was a huge scandal. Uh, there was uh, all kinds of uh, uh, misdeeds, but those were done by political appointees. And in speaking with contacts at the uh, AFGE, what I heard was that it was actually G5 rank and file represented workers who brought these misdeeds to the attention of uh, of the powers that be. And so ironically, they're using this cover story of what happened with this uh, scandalous behavior by political appointees within the VA to go after the very workforce that blew the whistle on the uh, on the poor behavior. It really is a poor excuse for eliminating uh, whistleblowers at the end of the day. So, so this is what the, the, the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Secretary Treasurer Paul Sheeran said about this. This is a democracy, not a monarchy with a king who can unilaterally eliminate the rights of Congress and federal workers. So here we are, 2018, and we're getting uh, terms like monarchy and king applied to a government. Well, and also the thing is it's a little duplicitous. From what I understand, that original um, description that appeared on the White House website made it appear that these things were going to take effect immediately. And once again, talk about fake news, none of that can happen yet. And there's a lot of court challenges going on. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you know, back in 1962, when John Kennedy agreed to the concept of the mass number of federal workers getting organized, there was a kind of, as I understand it, uh, a deal cut that um, there was an open shop, if you will. People wouldn't be compelled to pay dues, and the union would be required to represent all comers, everybody, even if they weren't dues-paying members. But as part of that, there would be this release time so that the members of the of the union who are also working people would get that release time to do the work that often the union's doing for free. Wasn't that the deal? Isn't that the structure that exists today? It is the exact structure. There is no agency shop in the federal sector as there is in the uh, in the municipal sector and like it's say in New York City. Okay, this is all stuff that's talked about, you know, figured out, uh, uh, provided for in the collective bargaining agreement. And again, just like in any, the right to work situation has been prevalent in the federal sector since 1962, as you so accurately bring up. But the point that I really like to bring out is that what gets lost in these discussions and what gets lost in, uh, in, in, in all the uh, hoopla that surrounds it is this is not about criticizing the president or his actions or his motives. Because, you know, with this president here, you don't, you don't, you don't win any battles by getting into the, you know, getting into the mud with this guy. This, you know, this, this guy knows how to fight dirty. You know, the, the part that bothers me the most uh, as a leader of 100,000 uh, uh, federal workers is that lost in this whole argument is the fact that when there's a problem, our workers want to solve the problem. When there's inequities in collective bargaining, our workers want to correct the inequity. They want to be true partners with the government when they go to work, and they understand their role. 
You know, they understand the value of collective bargaining in the federal sector. They understand some of the limitations uh, that are imposed on them. Uh, they're cooperative in many, many different ways, and they are the first ones to self-police. The people that I represent, what makes me so proud about them is they're the first ones to self-police any, any injustices or, or, pe- or people taking advantage of, of the system. And when you start to get into these things about who's a king and who's not, you know, it's not a criticism, but it's just that it just gives, it just gives the management uh, you know, in, in, in a world that's not heavily unionized anymore, it gives them an advantage, you know, to shape public opinion. Well, I mean, he can issue these executive orders, but he can't do these things by fiat. And there's actually a, a lawsuit now filed right, to, there's to, a couple. To, 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 right. to block this. Jim, can, can you talk about yeah, that a little bit? Sure. There's three lawsuits. AFG was the first one out of the box. Uh, I, I believe the Monday following the... Uh, the implementation of the order on 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 the 25th, like you said, uh, they made it seem like those orders were in effect immediately when they don't kick in for up to from 90 to 180 days. So they had the whole workforce in a tizzy, which was fine. You know what I mean? Not fine for us, but you know what I mean? It's it's just a tactic that we had to deal with. Uh, within days, the uh, the National Treasuries Union came out with a second suit, and then on the 13th of June. I joined uh, with the Metal Traders Department, joined 13 other unions representing, uh, I believe it's over 300,000 workers, uh, and filing a suit looking for injunctive relief against these orders. Um, the reason why you have these varying suits is that the a- we didn't feel that the AFGE suit was expansive enough. You know, right. law- law- lawyers get involved and they all have different points of view. So what we really do is we have AFGE's back, AFG has our back. We all have each other's backs and covering as much as we can. And hopefully when we get before the uh, federal judge, we do get some uh, relief. And And at the same time, we're out there looking, you know, for a uh, legislative solution. You know, we're looking to defund these illegal uh, executive orders. You know, so we do have 21 Republicans in the House that have signed on, you know, with a letter to the president who basically, you know, are opposing these executive orders. So we do have a bipartisan coalition working hard to create, to correct these inequities, whether it be in the court or the legislature. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that we do know from GAO reports that the federal workforce is aging. And um, isn't it important at this point to be thinking about succession planning? We, we know that, for instance, in the high-tech areas, we really need to attract the best and brightest. Are you concerned that this is a turnoff, that this uh, attacking of the labor movement um, and, and, and this looking at somehow as if federal workers are anything less than the wonderful workforce that they are would discourage young people from making that as a choice as a career? Well, you know, at another time and another place, I'd probably be very discouraged by it. But the truth of the matter is, is that these jobs were not intended to be the best jobs that the nation had to offer. And now they're one of the few jobs that offer work right. as a decent standard of wage, <laughs> conditions and everything else. So I think you're always going to get people who are going to want to do the jobs. Now, about the quality of the people, you know, the trained the train workforce, well, they may have a better opportunities. And the one thing I admire about our millennials, uh, you know, and I hear it as a criticism by some, some of my peers, but the truth is they know what they want, they want what they want, and they know how to get it, and they're willing to fight for it. Jimmy, uh, thanks a lot. I'm sorry, but we ran out of time. We have to leave it there. We've been speaking to Jimmy Hart. 
And we'll talk more about these executive orders and the effort to fight it. Come on back after these messages for more Blue Collar Buzz here on AM 970, The Answer. You're listening to Labor Press on AM 970, The Answer. The Answer. 